Not afraid to tell it like it is. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon till 3 on AM 900 CHML. As uh, we get closer to whatever day it's going to be when uh, the Ontario government, uh, I guess the federal government, uh, legalizes marijuana and then, of course, uh, the provinces decide how they're going to distribute it, a new poll is out and it shows that uh, Ontarians are pretty much divided still on how this should all be distributed. Uh, More than a third of those polled said they would like... uh, uh, I guess, recreational marijuana at this point to be sold in pharmacies. About 26%, so just under a third, would like the dispensary model, which we're seeing operated illegally in Toronto now. Um, But only 20% believe the uh, LCBO should be selling uh, weed. And the forum research poll found 50% of respondents felt it, it is not appropriate for pot to be sold where alcohol is also retailed. Now, 45% said it was appropriate. So it just goes to show you how divided uh, the country still is on all of this. Uh, The poll also showed 54% approve of legalization, 38% disapprove, 8% were unsure. To talk more about all of this, Dan Malik is with us, health scientist, professor, Brock University, author of Try to Control Yourself, the Regulation of Public Drinking uh, Post-Prohibition Ontario, and When Good Drugs Go Bad, uh, Opium Medicine and the Origins of Canada's Drug Law. Dan Malik is with us now. Hello, Dan. How are you today? I'm well, Scott. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, and I'm sure we'll chat a bazillion times between now and when this is eventually legalized as we slowly hear little wee drips and drabs of what is going to happen. Do you, let me, before we even get into this, do you think right now that this has already pretty much been decided, that they have a template in place, they're just working out the details and haven't told us yet? Do they already know how this is going to happen? I don't think so. I think that there's a lot of uh, searching around for different models um, because there are so many uh, different models of how cannabis is being sold in the few jurisdictions that have started to legalize it. Um, and I think polls like the one you're talking about add to some uh, information. It, it sounds like within the even within the provincial governments, um, there's a lot of discussion across departments on how to deal with this, and yet they don't know what's coming down. They don't know clearly what's coming down from the government. So is the LCBO uh, the the, is the LCBO the best way to sell recreational marijuana? Well, not according to the poll. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, it's it's one model. I think that the, the challenge that the the idea of selling it at the LCBO uh, presents is, in one respect, the optics of the LCBO itself. I mean, over the last year and a half, you and I have talked about this, right? The whole challenge with the LCBO is a monopoly, and it has a really bad kind of image among some drinkers. Uh, so some people might say, why are we going to reuse that same system to distribute something else? Isn't that something that's already broken? Mm-hmm. On the other side, you've already got an infrastructure there, right? You've got people who are trained to um, to sort of evaluate their customers, uh, the suitability for, or you know, legal suitability or otherwise for them to purchase the products. You've got a massive distribution system, and you've got a system that actually is designed to have relatively equitable access across the province, right? Whereas, say, a private model, you wouldn't necessarily even get dispensaries in smaller jurisdictions where people might still want to buy pot, right? So in the LCBO, they've got those agency stores and things like that. They have a mandate to provide it across the province. So there's pros and cons on both sides. Do you think that uh, marijuana sales were put forward as an olive branch given to the LCBO, perhaps in their unions, uh, in order to lessen 
of the blow of gradually giving up the monopoly on liquor? You know, we're sort of we're gonna yeah. we're gonna open this up, and you know, of course, they were crying about that, and then but we're gonna give you this instead, I, and, and this will still keep you guys all relevant. Yeah, there's I, I don't really see any evidence to that. Um, it, it is more, t- t- in my view, it's more a sense of we have a system that it, and and people who are trained already to to deal with this contentious uh, with a contentious substance, right? So, if you have if if the province were to create a new cannabis distribution system, they'd yeah. have to have cannabis control board, right? So yeah. you have a whole other board. Um, and so, yeah, so I don't think the, I, I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen any evidence to that. Um, it would be a very strange thing to be driving a much bigger policy just to try to appease uh, the union. It's not as if uh, cannabis, it's not as if booze sales are going to plummet in the LCBO, right? right? Um, remember that the LCBO is also not just the store, but also the distribution system. And that system functions whether the booze is sold in the supermarkets or in the... Yep, good point. Uh, to a certain degree. To a certain degree, actually. I'm, I'm not entirely accurate on that because the beer store has its own distribution. Yeah. So if, uh, if LCBO is a good model, why not the beer store? Well, actually, I don't think that that's a, necessarily a bad model. Um, if we look, uh, at, although um, remembering that historically the beer store started as a, a, a cooperative among a whole bunch of different brewers and slowly through um, consolidation and, and right. breweries shutting down, it became the big three, right? Um, the, the dispensary model that has begun to emerge, and not just the ones on the street corners we've heard about in Toronto, but also the um, online systems through the legal distributors um, across the country, that to me has a lot of elements of the breweries of the 1920s in the sense that they were um, they were independently uh, selling their product, but they might be able to consolidate it in individual stores or individual sort of clearinghouses. The, the, uh, and, and there were things like you could order it uh, to be delivered to your home and things like that, right? So it could be that a new model of a cannabis warehousing or distribution network run by the, the cannabis manufacturers could be an alternative. It wouldn't be the beer store, but it would be like the cannabis store. The well, the, you know, they, store, they already do that with medical marijuana through the postal system. So, yeah. I mean, why not, you know, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you get Tweed and companies like that just to form their own beer store sort of model? Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I mean, so the beer store model that we have today, um, it, it may not be ideal, but the, the, I, the ideal of the model from the 1920s, which was this cooperative of all of these beer, uh, all of these, yeah, all of these beer stores selling um, through their own uh, independently run warehousing system, it could be a model um, if uh, people found the idea of the LCBO selling cannabis that distasteful, or liquor stores selling cannabis that distasteful. Um, However, we, when we look at the, sur- the, the, the survey, the, the poll that was taken was a survey, um, th- there are some qu- questions about the, the words they use. I mean, what does is, what is appropriate mean, right? Like you said at the beginning, is it appropriate to sell mm. cannabis in the LCBO? Some people might say appropriate as in no, because I'm not going to get my weed. Some people might say appropriate as in no, because it legitimizes cannabis like alcohol. And some, of it might, some people might be saying, I don't want to be buying booze beside people buying weed, right? So it, mm. there's all sorts of different 
interpretations of that. And so some of this needs to be sliced up a little more and looked at in a little more detail. Dan, it's going to be like the uh, video stores. It's going to be a black curtain at the back of the LCBO. <laughs> Go back there. Know and nobody that. knows what's going on back there, you know. It's just the back corner of the LCBO. There's a curtain going on, some weird music playing. Clearly, you and I have different experiences with this video <laughs> All right, what about the pharmacy model? Uh, is this going anywhere? It was kind of interesting because when this was all coming down, uh, the pharmacy association didn't want anything to do with it. Then all of a sudden they started counting the dollars and realized maybe we should be doing this. Does this model have any legs at all? It does have legs because in some jurisdictions, pharmacies is where the pharmacy is where people can buy uh, recreational cannabis. Uh, this, is, this is what happened in Uruguay, right? Like they, they have three systems. One is you can buy it yourself or grow it yourself. One is you can be part of a, a sort of a collective, like a, a buying club. And then the other one is you can go to the pharmacy. So it's not completely, and, and it's not just for medical marijuana, it's for any marijuana. Um, I, I think that speaks to the, the strength of the argument that cannabis, that how cannabis is becoming legitimized through the idea that it's a medicine, like through its medical use. You see people Medical users, you know, the, the classic image is the little old lady smoking some weed, right? And you go, well, she's doing it for her glaucoma or for whatever uh, problems. And so people start to see it as a medicine. So pharmacy seems to be a reasonable um, place for it. It's ironic given that tobacco has been taken out of the pharmacies, right? Yeah, um, that is odd. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I never thought of that. Good point. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so there's this whole, this, this strange, these this whole health angle. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. So it's a health angle. Um, I mean, maybe people are, I don't know. I mean, the the questions in the questionnaire were very sort of clear, you know. Mm. Where do you think is the most appropriate place? Where do you think is the best place to sell cannabis? It wasn't really complicated like we get in some, in some surveys. Um, and so for people to, um, they had to choose one, right? So pharmacy seemed maybe better than the LCBO, maybe better than dispensaries. Right. With all the media around dispensaries, they seem a little shady to some people because... In Ontario, they're still illegal. Um, so maybe pharmacy seemed like the best alternative. It didn't have kind of the Im- image of the LCBO. It doesn't have the image of the, um, the dispensary, right? So we'll see how that goes. Is there a best practice? I mean, are you, obviously, there's parts of North America where this is legal now. I mean, you know, look what's going on in Amsterdam for years. I mean, is there a way to do this right? Is there? How are other people doing it? Uh, well, yeah, there's a, I don't think there's a best practice. Uh, I think one of the things that the variety of practices shows us is that it's not as, as huge a problem as it's made out to be while it's still illegal, right? So in Washington State, they basically gave the authority to their liquor control board. Uh, in Colorado, it was uh, the dispensary system. The, the private dispensary system is the model that they use. And each of them has their own challenges, but the um, and, and I mentioned earlier Uruguay with some um, the pharmacy model, right? Each of them has their own challenges, but a lot of those challenges happen after the substance is purchased, right? So if you're evaluating a person's ability to, um, to uh, uh, suitability to buy the substance, you can't necessarily say what they're going to do with it once they leave, right? Um, so the LCBO in its annual report shows how, you know, these are the number of people who are turned away. This is the number of people who are, they call it challenged because of age, because of drunkenness, because of the fear that they're going to sell it to other people. I mean, the, or to kids, right? They're going to, they, they do that at point of purchase, but once it leaves the, 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 the place, they can't control it. And a lot of the problems that we've seen have been about people who use it 
know, and, and drive, which is a problem, or use it or, or give it to other people or, or sell it, resell it, and all of those things are, are, are a problem. So, so there's no best practice yet, mm-hmm. um, but there are sort of systems of control that need to be er- erected in, in many ways to, to make the public more comfortable with it, right? And I think that's why we get back to the pharmacy model, where pharmacists are generally respected. A pharmacy is a familiar place. It's not got any kind of shadiness around it. Let's not talk about big pharma. There's all sorts of images and shadiness suggested mm-hmm. with that. Um, and so that seems to be a, a most uh, appropriate place, right? Um, but yeah, the, as far as best practices, it's still far too early to, um, to in the, the new legalization push to, to I think uh, determine what is the best practice when do you think thing when do you think information is going to start to leak out about how this will be uh, implemented uh, any sort of trial balloons do you think yeah that's a really good question I don't know I mean we, we see little uh, little pieces um, thrown out once in a while about you know the you know who's been appointed to do these sorts of things but I think they're keeping it pretty quiet um, and part of it comes around the, the issue of the news cycle, like what are the big issues that, um, that the governments are dealing with. Uh, and so I think that's why we see the Liberals in Ontario dealing with this um, much more than the federal government, because the Liberals have a lot of sort of speculation on their side, and the federal government is, um, they're the ones who, who, who know which way it's going to go, or, or who are deciding which way it's going to go. So yeah, I don't know how it's I mean, all of this stuff, you know, the stuff we usually talk about is, is about the, the provincial-based decisions. And, and like I said earlier, there's not a lot of um, – they don't have a lot of say right now over the, the outcome until they – and you know they're talking to the, the federal government about this, but until the final decisions are made about how this is going to look. So, they, so more of the speculation happens on the provincial level because the provinces are going to ultimately be the ones determining the, the actual – system that they implement. Surprised that Toronto, places like that, are having the issues with the dispensaries the way they are, uh, now that we seem to be between uh, two areas. Uh, are, are you surprised that people are taking advantage of this? Are you surprised they're, they're shutting them down or trying to? I'm, no, I'm not surprised with either of those things, because I think that this is, in a sense, it's a... It's not a it's, I, I call these things policy gaps, right? There's a space where the, the, the actions, the legal actions are still undetermined or they're in transition. So you get these uh, cannabis dispensary groups, um, be they bigger companies selling or individuals opening up to try to make as much money as they can before they know they're going to be shut down. But they also, there's also the suggestion that, you know, the government, the, the law isn't going to be as harsh on them because of the, the legal, that legalization is coming down the pipe, right? But I'm also not surprised that the law would, um, that, that they would be cracked down on because it's still illegal and law does not like to see blatant and persistent flaunting of, Lot- of legal authorities don't like to see blatant and persistent flaunting of the law, right? Lots are complaining that if this is all going to be changed anyway, why would you bother doing this? But this doesn't necessarily mean that this is going to be the method of distribution. Exactly. I mean, just because it's going to be legalized doesn't mean that this would ever be allowed anyway, would it? Uh, what, the dispensary system? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, we don't know, right? Yeah. Um, the, the, the fact that in places like Vancouver... Um, the dispensary model, even though it's not federally legal, has been permitted, has been sort of, has been welcomed. 
or at least allowed, um, suggests that that is one model. But then if you look at a place like Saskatoon, where they've been very harsh on the dispensaries, um, it's yeah, it's, there's, there's no certainty about, about the, the model that's going to come out. But like I say, in that policy gap, people, you know, it's like a vacuum. People yeah. rush in to fill it to yeah. especially make money while they can. And it's an incredibly profitable business right now. What about growing your own? Where do you think that will uh, fall into the new regulations? I think that, well, yeah, that's a tough one to say because growing your own, if you imagine it like home brewing, it's rare that you get a home brewer who's, as far as I know, going to brew so much that they uh, are going to be selling it, right? Yeah. Um, I would I would be very surprised if they did anything. Else and is there a mar- and is there a market for Billy Bob's homebrew out of the, the basement <laughs> of his house? You know. No, Depends on how talented Billy Bob is. <laughs> exactly. Often there is because often you get home brewers that turn into, um, you know, actual commercial brewers. Yeah, but good there's point. a whole transition. But but with cannabis, yeah, I mean, I, I would be very surprised if they heavily strictly regulate growing your own simply because how do you how do you do that? Like how do you regulate? There's some sometimes you can't regulate something if you just simply can't enforce it, or you can have a rule. Um, but just never enforce it, right? Um, so maybe it's, you know, you can have a certain number of ounces or pound, grow a certain number, have a certain number of plants uh, of your own. And then, you know, if suddenly someone finds out that uh, this guy's been selling it to other people, that's when the police come in and they go, you know what, you've got 20 plants here, not five. So, yeah. you know, and, but until that happens, it, it could be even a complaint-based Thing. I mean, at this point, we're really speculating, but that's sometimes how the law works. It's like the, there's a rule. It's like it's like speeding, right? It's, it's a bad example, but it's like speeding. You know, the law says 100 miles or 100. I wish 100 kilometers an hour on the highway. Um, most people, you know, they're going 110, yeah. 120. But if there's an accident and someone's going 110, the cops can go, "Well, yeah. you were speeding, right?" So there's that kind of. Will this get rid of the black market? Will it get rid of the criminal element? Um. The neat thing about this sort of thing and the example that Prohibition showed us is that a lot of people who were breaking the law during Prohibition, I'm going to talk about liquor Prohibition, they went, they went straight when, uh, when Prohibition ended because they just wanted to make money. So it will definitely make a big dent in that part of the industry, that illegal industry. I mean, there will be people who will want to sell it because they're good at it, who've been doing it for years, know how to grow it, all of that stuff, who will then go legit. However... If you put too much restriction on it or make it too inaccessible, and this is where the whole issue of the LCBO having a mandate to make liquor available throughout the province uh, plays into the favor of the LCBO. If you make it too hard to get your hands on cannabis, you're going to open up space for, for black markets. Dan Malik has been with us, health sciences professor at Brock University, a new poll showing that Ontarians are divided on how to sell recreational marijuana. Dan, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. My pleasure. Thanks, Scott.